Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hold on to your butt. I promise to love you. It's the only way to be sure. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Slice of Film, where today we are taking a slice out of The Northmen. Joining me today, we have illustrious co-host Mark Tan. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great as always. Awesome. And joining us, we also have senior critic from Full Circle Cinema, James Preston Poole. James, how are you doing? Swell. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to do this because I like I saw the trailers for this movie and I was like, ooh, this is my jam. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, this is definitely my jam. So I'm glad we could make this work. Um, so before we get into the movie, of course, we have to do the podcast paperwork side of things. Uh, Slice of Film is a part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance podcast network where we have eight shows, seven days a week on 
uh, once a month on Sundays, we have World's Finest True Believers with Chris. Mondays, uh, we have two shows, bi- both bi-weekly. Um, on one week, you're going to have Ranger Alliance with Clay, Joe, and Jake. And then the opposite week, you're here, uh, it's Slice of Film's debut Monday. Um, it's uh, me, Mark, and some, sometimes Mark and sometimes Sarah, sometimes all of us. You never know what's going to happen. Tuesdays, you've got DC Lance. Wednesdays, you've got superhero discussions. And I'm just giving up on saying names. Y'all been here. We know how this works. Thursdays is Star Wars Alliance. Fridays is Marvel Alliance. And then every other Saturday is a walk through the multiverse. So with that, uh, there are several ways to support the show. Um, Specifically three ways. On Mondays, you have... um, On Mondays... Oh my gosh. Sorry, I got distracted. Squirrel. I don't I don't do well with private chats, Mark. <laughs> um one way to support the show is by listening to the ads that are going to be in the show. Yes, Slice of Film is and Geek Ultimate Alliance Podcast Network are ad supported. Um we don't get to choose who the ads are from, nor how many times you hear the same ad in the same episode, nor how loud they are. So the um Mark or I will give you a warning just before those are to occur, but just so you know now, that that's what's up. Um, if you're not interested in listening to ads, another very good way to support us is on Patreon where we have two tiers. $1 helps keep the film reels running around here and the $5 tier gets y'all ad-free episodes, exclusive episodes, and any early episodes that may drop. Ranger Alliance just dropped an awesome episode on how to modernize Power Rangers costumes, um, for the future of Hasbro Entertainment, um, Matt and I will be dropping an episode on um, the High Republic, Marvel one through uh, ten through fifteen, and Trail of Shadows uh, for a comics discussion. And then I will be talking about some Legends novels. Uh, so those will be up by the end of the month. Um, and then the final way to support us is to rate interview on your favorite podcatcher of choice. Slice of Film is on the Geek Ultimate Alliance feed, where you can find all eight shows. Uh, But if you're interested in listening to just DC, Marvel, or Star Wars, those three do have their own solo feeds, which you can go find. With that, we will be talking about spoilers for The Northmen today, um, which has just come out. So you may or may not have seen this. But so if you're concerned about spoilers, go check out the film. It is currently in theaters. uh, And then come back because this is the place to be. So with that, I guess James... What is the Northman? <laughs> so, um, the Northman is Robert Eggers' third film following The Witch and The Lighthouse. And basically, it's a retelling of the Viking legend of Amleth, which a lot of us may know as serving as the inspiration for Hamlet. So, what we have here is basically a Viking Hamlet movie. Starring, okay. starring Alexander Skarsgård as the character Amleth, um, who is going after his uncle named Fjolnir after his uncle overthrows his father, kills his father. Um, so as a child, he kind of swears vengeance on his uncle Fjolnir and has this whole chant. Um, I forget what exactly he says. But he's just swearing this vengeance all these years. And then he finally gets his opportunity teaming up with a sorceress of sorts played by Anya Taylor-Joy as they concoct a plan 
to overthrow Fjolnir. And uh, without getting into spoilers yet, a lot of blood is shed. A lot of blood. <laughs> a lot of blood. A lot of muscles are showed, a lot of blood is shed. Yes. A lot of muscles and a lot of blood. Uh, I did not realize this was like actually based on a tale, so that's interesting. This is actually my first Robert Edgar film. I haven't seen The Lighthouse and I haven't seen The Witch. So it was interesting to see and it was completely my jam. I love like different myth- mythological cultures. So like Vikings, Greece, uh, Roman. I love all that stuff. So getting to see it on screen and see it so well done, I think for me was really, really pleasing. Mark, what did you think? Uh, this is not the first Robert Eggers movie that I've seen. I've seen his other two <laughs> films, The Witch and The Lighthouse. I love both of them. And I don't know if I love The Northman more than both of those movies, because this is definitely a much more ambitious and bigger project than he's ever done. And for the most yeah. part, I did really like his take on this classic tale. I mean, it's right in the name. Hamlet was inspired by Amleth. So clearly there's parallels with that. And I mean, that's a good, there's a reason why that tale's been passed down. It's a really interesting story that really dives into just how vengeance can really change how you are as a person and how it kind of almost blackens like your brain in a, to a certain extent because it's all about seeing this tragic event as a young child and then you grow up and you still have that anger that you want to unleash at whoever did the crime. So just from a story perspective, it is very much holds up. And Eggers puts his own spin with this tale. I mean, because the Viking stuff, like that's, you see that a lot of TV shows and movies. But this one feels at times almost psychedelic because he, especially early on, he very much focuses on the animalistic nature that Vengeance can offer. Like in the early parts of the movie, we see Amleth as a child, like basically almost being one with an animal spirit. And like, there's a whole section where he's basically trying to prove how he's more than just an animal, even though deep down he really is just like he's another wolf or whatever. So yeah, just, just a really satisfying revenge story that is filtered through Edgar's excellent eye. Yeah, I think so. Um, in terms of budget, this one had a budget in the realm of 70 to $90 million. And so far at the box office has made $23.5 million. Um, I don't think this includes uh, this weekend's figures um, because it did air uh, internationally previously, I think. So it just released in the U.S. James, what did you think? Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit of a Robert Eggers head. I <laughs> I really like The Witch. The Lighthouse is one of my favorite recent horror movies. I thought this was fantastic. Um, what I liked is it. Uh, of course, we've seen many movies that have taken the tale of Hamlet. Like you have stuff like The Lion King, or even more recently, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. This felt like they went all the way back to the legend acted like there's never been a movie made upon this tale (laughs) and just made it like it was the first time mark commented on this kind of raw primal animalistic nature and that's what i loved it was it's a fairly simple story but just told with so much vigor so much um 
ah, I, I don't know what I don't know what else to say other than it kind of makes you want to pump your fists like you're going along with this Viking crew. <laughs> it's it's just a really really energizing movie. Absolutely. Um, I walked out of the theater. I was like, oh, that was awesome. Matt, Matt thought it was a little on the slow side. So mm. what would y'all think in regards to that? Do you think it kept the right pace or? So that's, that's interesting. Um, I think maybe in the first act going into the second act, there was a little bit of a lull, but other than that, I thought it, I thought it went at a pretty good clip. Okay. Mark, any thoughts? I was I was thinking about the whole pacing because <laughs> that's actually one of the reasons why I don't know if I like this more than his Edgar's last two movies because be, since this is a larger ambitious movie, the runtime is there to to be appropriate with that. Like this is about two hours fifteen minutes, and I'd say I don't know if I'd say the lull was in the first to second act, but I'd say. The second we're introduced to Ani Taylor-Joy's character, it it seems to slow down a lot more than at any other point of the movie because it's very much about trying to establish the relationship between Amleth and Ani Taylor-Joy's character, Olga. Olga. Yeah. So it's definitely not as fast-moving as it used to be, but there's still a lot of interesting character work there. So I, I, at least for me you could probably trim about 10-ish minutes out from the second act, but I'd say for the most part, it moved pretty smoothly. Going off of that, there's certainly a period of time in the movie where essentially the plan is being laid, a lot of the dominoes are being set up, and we got to wait for them to fall, so to speak. But when they fall, it, for me, really picks up. Um, I, I don't know. When it, when it comes to runtime... I don't know about you guys. Um, I'm definitely someone who, if it justifies it in the end, and if it all comes together, then I'm cool with any kind of pacing as long as it builds towards something. Yeah, I it kept a really simple story, and it's one that's been told time and time again because of the um, the legend. And, but it tells it really well, and it it makes sure to focus on landscape character development um, and just really cool visuals overall. So I, I loved it. And I, I, the first part, the first act was probably where I had the most problems and we'll get into that. Um, but I, overall I was like, it's one thing I can overlook it. Like, so uh, I think now is the time to get into the spoilers though so well okay i guess i have one more question how well did y'all think robert eggers did in terms of directing specific scenes is there one that maybe stood out to y'all that was like maybe your favorite um james go first (laughs) yeah um so i think the question would be is there any scenes that weren't my favorite. <laughs> uh, no, just just joking. I think my favorite scene of the movie, just for you know, sort of encapsulating that whole raw, visceral nature of everything, was that was in the first act where um, Alexander Skarsgård's character Amleth 
is kind of part of this crew of mercenaries uh, that are basically embodying the spirit of wolves. And just seeing this almost like disturbing physical transformation as they go and pillage this um, town, it was really frightening and something I'd never seen before. Um, I don't know anything about Vikings. So every piece of information this movie gave me was new. And that made me want to learn more about Viking culture, about bands of mercenaries, stuff like that, because it, it just struck a nerve. It was terrifying. It was. And like there, there's specific points where, and especially in that one where it's like, oh my gosh, um, I, I think I felt a jump scare feeling like two or three times in this, but mm-hmm. I embraced it. I embraced it for once. So Mark... Yeah, uh, one of the things that I noticed pretty early on is that Eggers loves just letting scenes play out over fairly long takes, but not so long where it becomes like a showy. This isn't like a, an Alfonso Cuaron movie. But the thing is, whenever he does these action scenes, he lets them linger f- and for about two minutes like for, for take, where in the scene that you mentioned, James, where they're pillaging that town... It's like you see all these different people being assaulted and seeing Amleth and the other people along with him just going through the neighborhood. And like the fact that it never shies away from the violence, even though it does show you a lot of different things at once, like that, it to me was scary. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you mentioned the long takes. I, I think they were really well done. It was a good balance of of not trying to be showy like you said all right so the first part of this film it, we have amleth as a kid and amleth uh young amleth is played by oscar novak um with the older amleth being played by alexander skarsgård like we've said um so we have uh the kingdom that they live in um is on the island of rough roughnessy oh my gosh um and we have king arvindale who is played by ethan hawk um and fun fact ethan hawk actually start as hamlet I, I just looked over his casting list and he was in hamlet in 2000 fun facts i don't know um and then we have queen gudrun who is played by nicole kidman and um i think the only other main character is fjolnir who is played by Clay's Bang, um, and Hymir, who is played by Willem Dafoe. <laughs> so, um, the king has returned home with all his warriors, and we have what follows a spiritual ceremony overseen by Hymir, um, where the king and his son basically embrace that animal spirit, um, and have dog things i don't know like i i say i love the mythology but i'm more talking about like odin and everything so i yeah what did y'all think of that scene in particular like the spiritual scene where we get a lot of stuff (laughs) (laughs) um so pardon my french but i I love weird shit. So <laughs> I was I was really, really into the kind of psychedelic nature of that. And it did a did a it kind of did a cool job setting up that kind of um, man versus beast aspect to it. Um 
but I think I would have liked a little more of it. You know, there, there's not, there wasn't quite enough for me of seeing um, Amleth's relationship with his father to set everything up. Um, plus, you know, I just, I like, I like kind of engaging in the calm and getting that, you know, something bad is going to happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen feeling. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Mark? Uh, uh, going off of James's point about just the first act going a little bit too quickly it feels like eggers is trying to appease the people who know a lot about the story of amleth and hamlet and he doesn't want to bore the audience so he goes through the basic points of the basic plot points pretty quickly and while i understand that motivation i do think it takes away from some of the the bonding moments between amleth and his father like i did really wish we got more scenes like that psychedelic scene that we mentioned earlier because not only is that just a great way to to learn these characters it's just about just seeing how these characters interact and not long after that scene happens amleth's father dies so yeah it, it just feels like we're not we don't really get to know why exactly amleth wants to avenge other than just oh, he's my dad, I gotta do it. You know, it just feels like an obligation. I wish there was at least another scene where we really got, like, what made Amleth's father tick and why Amleth would revere him so much other than just the fact, oh, it's just genetics. Yeah, I, and I think this is my biggest critique of the film as well, is getting to see more of that father-son bond um, would have really drove the point home because it like most people some people may not know about the legend i mean i didn't know that this was an actual legend i didn't know amleth was what hamlet was based on so it, for me i like it feels like genetics is why amleth is so dedicated to avenging his family but at the same time it, you're missing that connection and ethan hawk actually gives a great performance for the little that he's in here so would have been cool to see more of that. Um, the whole like Amleth, you need to like kiss my wound kind of thing. That was a little weird, but then seeing the family tree and stuff and seeing that, how that comes into play later on, I think that was a cool touch and really made for some cool graphics to come in that didn't just look like landscape. So, um, so after the ceremony ends, um, Amleth and the king, I'm just going to say the king, walk out and the king gets massacred. <laughs> um, so he he dies and everything and Fjolnir is like, go find the kid and Amleth flees. But then we get just like a, he he cuts off the nose of one guy and then like, just manages to get to a boat. Like, we see him in the village, seeing the village get massacred. That's what I meant to say. Not like the king gets massacred, because massacre is big killing, not just like one person. Mm -hmm. um, but the village gets massacred, and he sees it, and then all of a sudden we see Amleth taking off on a boat. So I think that's my minor nitpick there, is I'd like to have seen, like, a little more there, just to kind of get us to that point, because it's like, okay, there's all these people in the village, and he's just wrapped in a big red cloth. Like, mm -hmm. and the guy comes in and is like, oh, he's dead. He's in the ocean. 
Like, no, you're just embarrassed. You got your nose cut off by a kid. <laughs> <laughs> to to be fair, I have no idea how Amleth managed to row across the whole ocean. I no clue because he's like 12 years old, I think. So it's like, mm, are you sure? The rage converts <laughs> to strength, that? and that's how he's able to row across the ocean. I need some of his determination. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, Katie, that you bring up um, kind of how they keep a lot of things at arm's length from us in the beginning, such as the massacre of the of the village. I mean, we'll we'll get to it later, but I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about whether or not that's intentional, um, considering some information Nicole Kidman's character gives us later on in the movie. Uh, yeah, I will say this. I totally saw that coming. She, like, her character just at the beginning and how abrupt she is with Amleth, I was like, oh, yeah, that, she's not who we think she is. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to for that. sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean the fact. All right, so I just want to just want to say something. Else. It's like the fact that it's Nicole Kidman in that role. It's almost like, and the fact that she's not in a lot of the first act. To some extent, it's an extension. It might be an extension of what uh, Eggers would do with some of the other actors like Willem Dafoe and Bjork, where they're only in for a very brief scene. But with Kidman's character, since she's Alice's mother. And the fact that she's only in it barely for the first act, I'm like, she's going to come back in a big way and not just for screen time. It's going to be for a much more important reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we transition to years later and um, we get Amleth, who has been found by a band of, band of Vikings and was raised as a berserker, which is one of the main warriors who embodies the animal spirits uh, that comes in. And we get that scene um, where they're wearing wolf skins and then Alexander Skarsgård literally, well, probably not literally, but he climbs up a wall with just an axe. <laughs> <laughs> and the man put on muscle for this i think i saw he ate close to like 20 small meals in a day and was eating close to four thousand calories just to like put on the muscle so is very impressive um but we get there and we see all the town being ransacked um we see a lot of the younger kids and the older people being burned uh, because they're not useful to the Vikings um, and everybody kind of gets split up in between um, slave holdings. So I, I'm not going to say the next part yet with like the serious and everything. Like the, let's talk about the action sequence where we have men ripping out each other's throats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, can I can I go back to twenty small meals a day? Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> I, I think that was the case. I know the calorie mark is right, but I, like, I mean, you have to eat that much to put on weight. That's how much the Rock eats in a day, pretty much. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I miss breakfast just about every day, so that is impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like I said earlier, this action sequence favorite part of the film um just for 
how kind of conflicted it makes you feel because it is exciting and visceral, but it's also highly disturbing. Um, I feel like Alexander Skarsgård has been waiting his whole life for a role like this, where he really gets to show a sort of physicality um, and, um, you know, being, I believe the Skarsgård family is Swedish, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's, I know that he's wanted to do a Viking film forever um, and sort of engage with his culture forever. Um, so it's really exciting to see him in a role like this where he fully throws himself into it. It's not a sight of him we've seen before. And, and this is far from the only scene in the movie where he throws his all into it. But it was the first time I realized like, wow, this is, this guy is a really good actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's been in a lot of different types of other movies. I mean, he of course, true blood for counting Mm -hmm. shows, but and then it, it, the closest I, well, the closest movie I could compare his physicality to is The Legend of Tarzan, which is not a movie that you should ever want to think about for many reasons. <laughs> but it's like this is definitely the first movie where I it feels like it was the movie it was he was it's like Amleth was the role it was like he was born to play Amleth. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was struggling to think of words with that. He was born to play Amblin. That's basically what I wanted to say. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, and I think this one's going to slide under the radar, especially with how many films we have coming out this year. Mm-hmm. But with it premiering this early in the year, I don't know how well it's going to do award-wise. But it was uh, one of my favorite films of the year, I think. So it's number three on my list. Fun fact. Um. And I think it should be number two, but I'm still struggling with how much I enjoyed the Batman to really right. move it to number two. So anyways, different topic. Um, so we see most of the villagers burned and then Amleth hears them talking about uh, Fjolnir and that they're going to send a group of slaves to Fjolnir in Iceland. And he's like, well, Fjolnir's the king of this island. And they're like, oh no, he was actually overthrown um, by Harold of Norway and lives in exile. So he cuts off that long, luscious hair, which I was really sad to see go, um, and gives himself the brand and oh my gosh, just to even think about somebody. And I know it's not real, y'all. It's not real. But like, just to see somebody just like, oh yeah, I'm going to stick this brand here and not even scream with like the hot iron and everything. And I'm like, "Ah, are you serious? Oh my gosh. He was wincing though. willpower. (laughs) Not like he had no reaction to it. Yeah. So it was impressive. But he gets on the ship. He swims out and... Olga is actually headed to Fjolnir as well and he gets on the ship and she's like the rest of us aren't wet why are you wet idiot like (laughs) but they sail out there and they have some miserable nights but they make it to Iceland so anything in particular in this sequence y'all want to talk about did we get to the uh, Cirrus yet oh I completely forgot about the Cirrus Yes, okay. Because that was the other thing. So much in this movie happened that Mm -hmm. we walk out of the theater and Matt's like, so they give us a prophecy and then 
everything happens in the prophecy. And I'm like, well, isn't that what a prophecy is for? And he actually had to remind me what prof- where the prophecy happened because I was like, where, where okay remind me where the prophecy happened because i just it completely slipped my mind that we even got a prophecy so yes before before he hears about fjornir he sees a cirrus at night and we get a prophecy and james you want to describe what happens uh yeah so i don't know if i can recall the entire prophecy but Basically, he meets the Cirrus, who is played by the lovely Bjork in her first film role. If I'm not mistaken, her first film role since uh, Dancer in the Dark in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, And it's another very psychedelic, strange scene. Um, But mostly, I was just happy to see Bjork on screen again. (laughs) I I love her so much. her last film before this was Drawing Restraint 9 in 2005. Okay. I'm not sure I've heard of that one. Um, Dancer in the Dark was 2000. So. Okay, gotcha. Close, close. I was close. close. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I initially wondered what brought her back to the movies, I guess. But upon some research, um, the co-writer of the film, uh, Sean, I believe, uh, spelled S J O N. Yeah, I probably I probably butchered that. Um, they were collaborators for a while. I believe that they were in the same band, uh, the Sugar Cubes, um, back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of was kind of cool to see um, to see all this kind of Scandinavian talent in this movie, um, considering that that's the culture that was being portrayed. And uh, the fact that Bjork hasn't been on screen in the longest time makes this character feel so much more mythical and strange. And even though, even though it's just one scene, it's a doozy, the doozy of the scene. All right, y'all, we are going to hit our first ad break and we will be right back in three, two, one. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It is because, uh, Mark, do you remember like, most of the prophecy? Honestly, I'm kind of with James on this one. I was the thing that I mostly took away from it was just that Bjork was there. I kind of I didn't really process the prophecy very much. I I didn't know who Bjork was, so I but I still got lost in other things that were happening on screen. <laughs> um, so most of the prophecy, paraphrased, is um, that he was soon to kill Fjolnir. 
um, and that he would kill him in a river, in, I think it was a river of hellfire, um, and that from his bloodline would come a maiden king, um, and that he would get a sword of legend. I think those were the main three things. That so, sounds about right. Yeah, I don't think there was anything else. Anyways, those are the main things. <laughs> mm. um, and so, going back, we get to Iceland. And we have, I found the scene really interesting. Where Fjolnir is like, no, we don't need any of them. Go shoot them, go kill them, whatever. And Amlet has to make a call on what he's going to do. And he basically just starts making guttural groans and like acting like a beast (laughs) which calls attention to him and then they decide to keep him and then Gunnar I think who is the son of Gudrun the son of Gudrun and Fjolnir and says well mom needs somebody for laundry mom needs somebody for kitchen so they just end up keeping everybody at that point, just to like, because like, oh, okay. So, what did y'all think of him having to like make that move? I guess was I the only one who enjoyed that part and like? Yeah, no, it was it was real interesting. Um, whoops, sorry, I don't know what happened with my voice right there. Um, <laughs> I guess that was the beast coming out of me as well. Uh, <laughs> so. You you brought up a good point, but I, I wonder how much of that was like intentionally him making a move or just almost a survival instinct from within him of that wolf kind of coming out. Yeah, to me, it was very much the latter. Like, I'm not I'm not convinced that Amleth really thought of, oh, I need to act like an animal. So I so uh, Fjolnir can notice me. It just felt like I need to do something. I don't care what. That's a good point. That's a good point. On the farm, basically everybody kind of gets to work. Um, they're slaves, they have to work. Um, and Amlet manages to actually find a way out of where they sleep every night and encounters a he witch who facilitates a spiritual dialogue between Amlet and the late Hymir, who the he witch actually has the skull of Hymir. And it had, like, the full Willem Dafoe look, so I was impressed. (laughs) Um, So, Hymir tells Amleth about the Nightblade, which is a magical sword that can only be drawn at night in its location, um, which the the he-witch throws a snake at Amleth, and then it turns into a rope, and that was one of the times that I had a jump scare, because I was like, what the did he actually throw a snake <laughs> at him? What the fuck? And then it's rope, and then everything's fine. So, <laughs> um, so Amlet then has a duel with an undead spirit for the blade, and the he witch actually tells him, "Hey, be careful of shadows, or be careful of the full moonlight." I think is what it actually was. The, the the battle with the undead spirit actually funny enough reminded me of uh the green knight where he goes through what his future could look like if he didn't go see the green knight mm-hmm. 
And I, I thought that was, it, it's probably not meant to be a parallel, but I thought that was a cool parallel. Um, mm. Because it, I just found that really interesting to see the battle play out. And I was like, did he really come to life? And then you get the point at the end where he's just like, okay, yeah, here's the sword. <laughs> Bye. Did y'all it's, have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, that's that's really interesting that you draw that parallel between the Green Knight and uh, the Northmen. Because they both do occupy a kind of similar space. Um, what I love about the Northmen, but what's also kind of frustrating, <laughs> is that it... it dabbles so close to fantasy sometimes Mm -hmm. um but doesn't confirm it so you think there could be supernatural stuff happening or it could be entirely real and it's like ah confirm it please (laughs) but it does make it kind of more fun to discuss um that they never outright say say this because you know the communicating with willem defoe's spirit that could all just be um be some bs that he's making up and all that and there could be nothing mystical about the night blade uh but well there is because one of fjolnir's guys later on try to pull the blade out of the sheath and can't pull it out so at the very least there is something mystical about it mm-hmm. because it can't be pulled out then again, it could have just been caught on something. It was a night scene. It's hard to tell. We don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. <laughs> that is that is interesting, though. I did forget about that. Because that... he tries to pull it out during the day, so it's not at night. But right. they're just in the, the where they have him held. So. Gotcha. He was inside a shed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then we definitely at least have a mystical sword. Mostly BS, that. not entirely BS. Yeah, not, not entirely <laughs> BS. Next thing you're gonna next thing you're gonna tell me that uh Amleth has some magic shoes or something like that, and it just pokes a huge hole in my point. <laughs> yep. Mark, any thoughts? Uh I mean the Green Knight, I I'll be honest, I did get vibes of the Green Knight from that, but I think it's just because the Northam is just another in this line of atmospheric takes on classic tales so mm-hmm. it's almost begging a comparison although i'm certain that eggers did not intend it to be that way it's just the release dates are close enough that it's hard to yeah. forget i enjoyed this one much more than i did the green night the green night just kind of spun but that's a different topic yeah. so okay so we get um back to the farm and he hides the Nightblade because he's like, your time will come. Um, and then they, the whole farm ends up going off to a greenery um, to go play a game of Natal Ikir, which is basically like a form of football with sticks. Um, that's my best comparison. <laughs> um, even though it's a tiny ball. Anyways. Um, and Amlet and the other team uh, basically end up facing off. And then Gunner decides to get involved. And as soon as Gunner takes off with the ball, I'm like, no, 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 you idiot. Like, these men are much bigger than you. What the fuck are you doing? And of course, <laughs> we get the end of it. And it makes for an interesting 
pull for that is brought up by one of the characters later that Amleth decides to save what he thinks is the product of Fjolnir raping his mother and decides to save his half-brother because the other team's guy basically just goes, oh, okay, I'm going to beat you up and Amleth tackles him and then starts beating him up. So what did y'all think about that? Like, how does that draw on Amlet's characterization? Uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. You, you bring up a whole lot of the psychological aspect of it. For me, it all comes back to that animalistic nature of kind of just um, sort of this beastly wolf-like thing comes out of him, and he almost wants to just protect protect the weak and the young. Um, that could just be me mi- misinterpreting but I think that kind of parallel between Amleth and being a wolf or a beast um, sticks with me in most moments of his characterization. But it was also it was also a great scene in that it kind of accidentally ingratiated him to the family. Yeah, I mean, that is true. like I didn't think that he was doing it because like he's the, the you know the other kid's a half brother it was just i saw it just as more as like he's the little one in that group because like there's a bunch of people on both teams that are about amleth size and then on the opposite team that uh, there's that one guy who's huge and of course it's that guy who knocks out and uh, at first it seems like he kills the half brother Mm -hmm. but it turns out no we just knocked him out but even then it's like the fact that that contact happened it was enough to set off something in Amleth that so he just attacked the big guy. So yeah, I mean like I think Katie, what you're saying, like that might be part of Edgar's intention. Like it really is him trying to protect some member of his family, even if it's not directly related. But at least to me, it was like I said, it's much more blunt and animalistic was what I got. Gotcha. I'm a nitpicker. I like to find these little tiny details and like go, okay, well, what was the intent with this? I don't know. It makes for a fun debate. Yeah, this, yes. this movie's perfect for that too. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and so we get to the point where this uh the cousin Thorir basically goes and tells Amlet, um, hey, you're cool, we like you, we're going to instantiate you as a person of power among the slaves, we're going to give you a woman, even this one, that originally, he's talking about Olga, um, who Fjolnir originally picked out, I think, because of her Valkyrie-type look. And her locks. Um, her, and her locks. Um, and then Olga pissed him off. So now he's like, no, go fuck yourself, like, kind of thing. Um, and, but they've seen him and Amlet and Olga talk. So they're like, okay, you can have her if you'd like. And so he takes her, which, um, so they celebrate that night and they promise to work together to overcome Fjolnir and his men. And they then set into motion the plan. Um, Olga has psychedelic mushrooms and Amleth has his blade. So Amlet takes um, Thorir's two friends and kills them the first night and puts them in a compromising position. 
that that was a little weird but <laughs> it works it pissed everybody off so um and then the next night he sets off the dogs is it the dogs that he sets off or that's another night i don't know if there were multiple dogs i know there, there's definitely that one dog that he encounters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well because he sets off the dogs and basically um one of the dogs attacks Fjolnir and then they walk out and all of the dogs are trying to attack everybody. I feel like that was later on. It may have been later on. I don't remember. Um, But he kills several men over the couple nights and then Fjolnir brings up everybody and is like, hey, you're going to defend us from whoever this is. And they're armed with sticks. Um... And so that night, Olga mixes the food with the mushrooms and manages to get every one of the main guards to kill themselves uh, through the use of the psychedelic mushrooms. And that night, we get uh, Amleth into Fjolnir's house, where he tells his mother, I am Amleth hear me roar (laughs) and then we get an interesting conversation that confirmed what i thought all along which was uh gudrun did not love the original king at the beginning of the movie that she was actually taken i didn't know this part but she was actually taken as a slave and raped which had the which resulted in the conception of amleth um and so she and fjolnir actually conspired to kill the king um and they're in love so what did we all think of this reveal so i think by far queen gudrun is the most tragic character of the movie Mm -hmm. and i think kind of like her son amleth um she does what she has to do to survive um whether we want to take her story at face value, as in everything happened exactly like it did, or not, um, she's clearly had to kind of look out for herself um, in this very um, kind of patriarchal Viking culture. Now, my interpretation of this scene in particular other than Nicole Kidman doing a kick-ass job and just stealing the entire movie in one scene. Um, My interpretation of the scene is whether or not she's fully telling the truth doesn't matter. She's doing what she has to do to survive. I think there's there's two ways you can look at this scene. One, the entire story is flipped on its head. Queen Gudrun just shatters Amleth's world or she's in a horrible situation, but it's never, she's never going to go back to Ethan Hawke's King. So she has to kind of tell this story and justify it to herself. I could be way off base, but I think they're, I think that they were trying to have some ambiguity there as to whether, as to what the story was. I mean, Mark, what do you think? I mean, whether she's making most of it up or making none of it up, like she's clearly, I think the effect is the same, which is that Amleth, like he can't just look 
upon his father the same way it's like Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's like i need to do this because you died and i loved you but also you were someone who took advantage of my mother and and Mm -hmm. that whole thing is the reason why i exist it's like what am i even doing now it's like like for me i took it more at face value than perhaps you did james not that what you're saying is incorrect because certainly Mm -hmm. Kidman's performance is nuanced enough and fantastic enough to where you could read into that. But I do think that it's, I think for me, it just worked on a much more basic level, which is that it does change the entire motivation of the main character. And at least for me, outside of the action, that's the scene that basically catapulted this from a pretty solid telling of a classic story to a pretty darn vital and great version of it. Like it's not just like a good one. It's a really excellent version of it. And I think certainly for me, this is the definitive version of this telling of Amleth or Hamlet, however you want to call it. (laughs) Because it just is, it just makes Amleth just so much more interesting and it makes the queen more interesting. And yeah, I mean, at that point with Nicole Kidman's monologue, that was the point of no return for me. Like that was the point where I'm like, yeah, I love this movie like completely. Whatever I said about the second act, I mean, that's still there, but ultimately it really doesn't matter. Like you said earlier, James, so long as it a movie sticks to the landing, it doesn't really matter what happens before. Exactly. And another another aspect of this whole scene that I think is great is that it kind of recontextualizes the fact that Amleth has been holding on to this for so long, but in all the time that's passed, everybody's basically forgotten about it. Like, <laughs> the death of his father only matters to him, pretty much. And even his mother, who he assumed was this captive the entire time, didn't give a shit at all. It's it's fascinating and kind of heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, uh, Fiona's not even the king anymore. It's like he's in this. It's like the only way he can really have control is just to be a slave owner. Which, mm-hmm. in that respect, even just from that alone, it is tragic. It's like he, instead of just being a king where he can put his rule over people in a fairly mannered way, it's like he has to do it in this. Of course, like he has to basically treat people like animals. Again, it's just again, it's just a sad thing. For sure. Right. And it recontextualizes what we saw earlier in the Massacre of the Village. We see Fjolnir with Gudrun over his shoulder. And um, Amleth actually thinks that Gudrun is yelling. She's sobbing like she doesn't know what to do. And she tells him that she was actually laughing in that scene um and so it shocks him to his core that that kind of happens but then we get we get her telling amleth if you kill fjolnir i will become your new queen and we'll rule together and she kisses him yeah (laughs) a lot of a lot of edible (laughs) stuff going on there and that kind of, for me, is what is what adds to my ambiguity as to what's going on with her character. Because I'm like, like, whoa, this just goes against entirely what you said. 
But is it also a tactic for her to get the upper hand on Amleth? Yeah, I took it as an upper hand technique because it was it was very interesting to see that whole thing. And I took everything else she was saying at face value and was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, like this like and I don't blame her in any sense if that's truly what happened. But also I think the whole family was bred to kind of do everything you can to survive kind of thing and am maybe gets his personality of that from gudrin so uh so she's unwilling to turn with him and help him kill jonir and in a rage after because she kind of compares him to his father after the kiss and is like you're just like your father i can't believe it and he doesn't know what to think about that because of what he's just heard so he leaves out in an animalistic rage he kills thorier um and takes his heart <laughs> which in viking ritual you have to have the heart to get into valhalla so it it means a lot that he took that and then is he leaves Fjolnir gasp grasping for everything he can um after what happens so um nothing's revealed the slaves are all gathered the next morning and olga because olga and amleth met that night and he tells her what happened is like my mother won't help us so he takes off because now she knows who he is so can't do anything um can't stick around and he tells olga to wait but to be ready to run and so Fjolnir gathers all the slaves the next morning and kills two and then threatens to kill Olga. And Amleth then reveals himself as responsible. Um, the queen and Fjolnir had already had a conversation. It was like, hey, it's Amleth. Like, don't let yourself get down kind of thing. So he offers to trade Olga's life for Thoria's heart. And has to go through that whole fight because it's a day fight He goes through the fight and is knocking out Fjolnir's men with his sword in sheath. And so he battles and everything and then kind of gets taken. Any, anything in particular there that y'all want to talk about? I feel like that's pretty standard stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty standard. Um, But then, so the next scene, Amlet um is severely beaten um and is like mm, yeah that's not thorir's heart or what if it's not thorir's heart is i guess what he says mm-hmm. and so fjolnir leaves and is overcome with rage at that point um and that's when we see one of the men try to unsheath the night sword and just toss it to the side at that point uh and then amleth is rescued by a flock of ravens <laughs> Um, and one thing that I forgot to point out is their kingdom at the beginning, um, the king's name was Arvindel War Raven. So mm-hmm. it's like a whole thing with his family line, ravens and whatnot. Um, so he's released and Olga rescues Amlet in that sense, getting him and taking him off um, and the two escape. So they kind of get him situated 
they get dressed in other clothing um, and get in a boat where Amleth then kisses the scar that um, Olga has or the knife mark where Fjolnir was holding it against her throat and kisses it and finds out Olga's pregnant with twins. And I just loved that connection back to the beginning. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool. I was like, why are we seeing the family tree? And I was like, oh, okay. And we get to see um, that she's pregnant with the twins and one's a male, one's a female. And the female has the scepter, like the cloak of a king and the crown. And that was, I loved that. That was so cool. I thought, mm-hmm. what did y'all think? Yeah, it's it's awesome. It was just a great, moment that really brought this story um full circle (laughs) um good thing you didn't put that in your review of course (laughs) mark what about it (laughs) no but it was it was a lovely moment and um i think in general anya taylor joy's character olga was just such a lovely understated um supporting character uh, where they didn't have to try way too hard with her to make her um, really fascinating, I thought. Yeah, especially at the end, because uh, the ending point where she um, talks to the nature spirits and is like, I will build you um, a forest of birch where mm-hmm. we land, take us to um, my love's kinsmen. And you see her, you see that scene in the trailer, but not with the vocals. And it's just, it was so cool to kind of see that happen because you think, okay, she's doing that to prepare for a battle. But in all actuality, she's taking off and protecting herself and her kids. So I really enjoyed her portrayal in the movie and I thought she did a great job. I guess she was preparing for the ultimate battle, motherhood. (laughs) Yes. Mark, did you get anything? Uh, I mean, I don't really have much more to say about Annie Taylor-Joy's performance. I think she gets a lot of help just from having just a great character. Like, I think this has been a pretty, uh, pretty common reference to this movie, but the, the line where, she speaks to Amleth where she talks about how he has like the strength to break people's bodies or whatever. And then like, she has the, the cunningness to break people's minds. Like that's like, it's like she has just great dialogue and everything. So, you know, it it just certainly helps just makes that character a lot more richer. And going back to that moment where we find out she's pregnant. I mean, like James isn't lying when he says that, it th- makes things come full circle because again, remember when we heard the prophecy, it's like, Oh, you're going to have a, a daughter who's going to be a ruler one day. And it. W- oh yeah. Sorry. That reminded me of one of the other things from the prophecy. Um, you'll have to choose between your rage and your love for your family was another part of it. So, which has this moment. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. Because I was going to get to the very next thing to which Amleth says. And he says he's going to pick both. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in doing so, he says, if I can, I'll be back. But he takes off um, and offers 
offers the guy who's sailing them off uh, the ring from his father and is like, this is worth a lot of money. Take this. They'll pay you. Um, and I was like, oh, you really going to leave her by herself with a bunch of with a bunch of guys, especially at like this time and age? Because like, in all the stories and movies and everything, that never goes well. Yep. But hopefully she got the... Well, we... Uh, anyways, we'll get there. Um, so he goes back to the farm, Amleth does, and frees the slaves and kills most of Fjolnir's men. And in searching for Fjolnir, Amleth is attacked by Gudrun and by Gunnar. And he kills them both um, by defending himself. Granted, it was defense. It was not like just a murder rampage. Um, and Fjolnir discovers the bodies and says, I will meet you at the gates of hell. And he drags off Gudrun's body. He, he drags off Gunnar's body. And the gates of hell is actually the volcano Hecla. Um, and so they hope to resolve the combat via single combat. Conflict via sing- single combat. Excuse me. <laughs> um, and so at the volcano, they both engage in naked sword fights. <laughs> and we get a pretty cool action sequence. Are you questioning the naked parts? <laughs> no, I'm just questioning the fact that you said sword fight because that could be either one. You know, <laughs> I was I was thinking it. <laughs> um, I didn't think that, but yes, <laughs> that is true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, you say you say butt naked sword fight, and it seems like it's going to be something really ridiculous. And in concept, it is. But it's also the most metal fucking thing I've ever seen. Just yeah. them in silhouette, clashing blades, a mist of volcano. You're not going to get a better climax than this. It ruled. It felt like everything had be- had built to it. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the battle, we get Amleth seeing the, Val- seeing the Valkyrie welcoming him to the gates of Valhalla. I wish they didn't put that in the trailer, but that's another conversation. Um, it's just an excellent finale that really brings the entire piece together. Mark? <laughs> Katie, this is the, I want to ask you something, Katie. Okay. Did you get Revenge of the Sith vibes from the final battle? Yeah, I actually. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." This looks, it's like if you're not going like to mention Star part. Wars, I'm going to bring it for you. <laughs> I was. I have two podcasts. I have Star Wars and film. Like, I try to keep them separate. Come on, not always successful, I, but I got to let you have this one though, because like, it's just right there. <laughs> like, it is. Like, it was metal when Revenge of the Sith did it, and it's even more metal with this because, like I said, naked. <laughs> naked source. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want. You oh, you want something to be metal? Make it naked. Yeah, <laughs> naked, and then put it with the volcano as a backdrop. <laughs> I I literally leaned over to Matt and I was like, "Are they naked?" And he was like, "No, they're wearing the loincloth things because we saw everybody in loincloths at the beginning." And then I saw butt cheek, and I was like, "Oh no, they're naked. They're totally <laughs> naked." Um, and Matt actually like poked fun at me. He was like, "Oh, so you were a little obsessed with the naked part, huh?" And I was like, "I wasn't obsessed. I was just it was 
an interesting fact because it didn't look like they're just like stripping clothes off. No, they're just like they just transition from clothes to naked sword fight. So it was interesting in my opinion. So mm-hmm. no, it was definitely very metal. I I thought it was a very good sword fight. Everything was properly like blocked out in the smoke so nothing's like mm-hmm. pornographic in a sense <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a really fierce sword fight um and you get to a point where it looks like amlet's about to lose and then he sees um olga embracing the twins and he's like we're safe do what you have to do and he decapitates fjolnir and then dies in the middle of lava. So well, because Fjolnir stabs him at the same time yeah. that he's yeah. All that other stuff happens. Because mm-hmm. he got several wounds and like took a wound to one arm and then got stabbed a couple times and then is like, oh crap, I'm like done. But yeah, he Fjolnir stabs him at the same time. Amleth decapitates Fjolnir. So. It was very well done. Very well done. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so, any last thoughts? Anything we didn't cover? I think we did a pretty pretty thorough job. Um, yeah, great, great movie. Uh, Katie, I hope that you um, check out Robert Eggers' other films. Uh, I don't I've heard things about The Lighthouse, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I realize it has Robert... Pens and it has Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. I don't know though, with what I've heard, if I want to see that movie. I don't know. What have you heard? Um, like a lot of weird stuff happens because they're both like just stuck in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. I don't think the lighthouse has anything that's much more weird than the Northman. So I think if okay. you've seen this and if you've tolerated the weirder aspects, I think you can get through the lighthouse pretty okay. Okay. The Lighthouse is definitely a uh, making you feel like you're going crazy kind of movie. So if you're <laughs> if you want to get down, get funky with that, I would definitely recommend it. Okay, I haven't heard anything about The Witch, so maybe I'll check that one out. The Witch is it's my least favorite Eggers, but if you want a movie with a really really good Anya Taylor Joy performance <sighs> and a couple of really scary moments, I would definitely recommend that. But that movie is slow. Okay, it's slow, and yet it's the shortest movie Eggers has made because it's only ninety minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. Maybe that'll be one I have to watch without Matt because one of Matt's biggest complaints when it comes to movies is like the pacing aspects right and maybe that'll be one i watch without them so you can watch it in two times speed oh that is true (laughs) i have that ability yes i I figured out how to make that work and i do that with audiobooks so i can i i can make it work all right y'all um overall ratings um mark what did what what did you rate this well, I've, I've been... seen your letterbox, but say it for the fans. Yeah, okay, so yeah, uh, I did rate this on Letterboxd, uh, and I think now that I've slept on it, I think my rating is set in stone. I I gave this a four out of five, which I mean, I gave Eggers other two movies a four and a half, but honestly, like I could see this one go up to four and a half without much uh, difficulty. Again, I just like I said, I love this movie. I think this is probably the best version of this Amleth slash Hamlet story that we've gotten. 
And I just would like to see Eggers just expand even further. Gotcha. Yeah. Excuse me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've been drinking too much, ca- not caffeinated stuff, but bubbly stuff. Um, just, just like Amleth, the wolf was coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and Amleth farted. Okay. Amleth That's farted. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the king burps. <laughs> um, James, what did you rate this one? Um, in my review, I gave it a four and a half out of five, um, or nine out of ten. I'm going to go ahead and lock that in. I think it's a pretty much um, near-perfect version of the story. The only somewhat issue I had with it was some slower pacing. But yeah, it's a phenomenal film. Four and a half out of five. And I'm the same point. I am a four and a half out of five. So, mm-hmm. y'all, we're going to take our last ad break. And we are going to come back to talk about some pieces of media we've been watching recently and would we recommend or not. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back, everybody. Thanks for being patient and listening to the ads. They support us. We appreciate it. Um, so this part of the show, uh, we're just going to talk about uh, one thing we'd recommend and one thing we wouldn't recommend recently. Remember, there's no spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it, no need to worry. Um, and with that, we'll give it over to guest James. James, what is one thing you recommend? Uh can I do a couple? Can I do a show and a movie? Okay, but that's your two. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Go, okay. go for it, but you have to be quick. Okay, so I've been re-watching all of Sam Raimi's movies. Um, I'm going to go ahead and recommend one that everyone can see on Amazon Prime. It's called The Gift. It's a phenomenal, slow burn, southern gothic, supernatural um, drama starring Kate Blanchett, um, Greg Kinnear, uh, Giovanni Rubisi, Keanu Reeves, and a whole all-star cast. It's not what you'd expect from a Sam Raimi movie, but it's a phenomenal drama. Highly, highly recommend. On the TV show side, I've been watching the reality show The Ultimatum. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give y'all the quick log line for this right now. It is a very triggering show for anyone in a relationship, but very, very entertaining. Um, it is about basically couples who are on the cusp of perhaps getting married. One person in the couple gives them an ultimatum where they basically have to go to this um, retreat of sorts where they have to be in a trial marriage with somebody else who is given an ultimatum. And at the end, they have to decide whether or not they want to marry the person they're with or not marry the person they're with. It is hilarious. Um <laughs> Now, one thing I would not recommend that I watched uh, during my whole Sam Raimi rewatch, I watched Oz, The Great and the Powerful. Um, very generic movie. Um, James Franco is not good in it at all. And it's just the epitome of a lazy IP-based blockbuster. Would not recommend. All right. Did I make it in under the under the wire? <laughs> sure. I don't know. I wasn't Perfect. keeping track. I was I was marathoning that one. <laughs> Mark, what you got? All right. So I was thinking of all the movies I could recommend because there are a lot of movies that I've seen recently. Some new, some old. So one that I'm gonna pick that I recommend, it's not because I'd call this a good movie. In fact, it's probably closer to a terrible movie, but I enjoyed it so much that I just have to say it. It's it's Moonfall. 
the latest film from Roald Emmerich. It's okay. it's a sci-fi you know, disaster movie, like a lot of things he's done before. But this one goes even further into just the sheer stupidity of it. Like, I honestly don't want to mention anything more about the movie just because it could spoil it. All I'll say is that John Bradley is having a blast and I'm delighted to see him get more roles in recent months because he was in this and he was in the rom-com Marry Me. And like, I really like him in this and Marry Me. So yeah, you know, bad movie, but I loved it. (laughs) That's what I recommend. (laughs) And one that I wouldn't recommend is an older movie. It's the Flintstones, the live action (laughs) movie with John Goodman as Fred Flintstone. Mostly it's just a lame nineties children's comedy that just happens to have really good production design and a overly sexually charged performance from Halle Berry. But other than that, it's just a weird um, like exploration of workers' rights in a children's movie that I think it would go a lot of kids' heads. And the stuff that wouldn't go over children's heads are all the rock puns that are just the absolute worst. I just want to just bang my head against the wall every time they try to do a stone or a rock reference. Like, I swear to you, movies like Shark Tale got a lot of inspiration in their world building from the Flintstones because it's just about, oh, can we drop a little reference in our movie based on the joke? Like, you know, if Shark Tale had like fish stuff, Flintstones had rock stuff and it's just stabled on in a really horrible way. So, yeah. Uh, oh, for as for how I watched Flintstones, I saw that on Hulu. And again, you know, if you want to get a dose of nostalgia, you can certainly do it. But don't expect to be up 100% of the time. You're probably going to have to doze off for parts. <laughs> Everyone knows the Superior Flintstones movie is Viva Rock Vegas anyways. <laughs> I still haven't seen that one. I haven't, I haven't seen the Flintstones and I haven't seen Viva Rock Vegas. So, Well, y'all will definitely have to do an episode covering both of them called uh, <laughs> Slice of Rock. <laughs> we can make that happen we can make it happen alright <laughs> sorry um, <Mark. laughs> for my two things I'm actually going to go with two recommends um, and one would have to be The Circle which is another Netflix reality show um, season four I think is about to come out um, and we lost track of season three when we um, were going through it so Matt and I are re-watching that um and seeing the episodes we missed so i i i hate saying i love trashy reality television but like there's just some shows that are just too good to pass up that show's Um, incredible absolutely incredible the circle has been one of the really well done ones that i enjoy seeing the experimentation especially with social media aspects Mm. um so And it is one of the few things that Netflix weekly releases um, instead of the binge model. So uh, that will be one that Matt and I keep up with uh, in May when season four comes out. And then the other thing that I would recommend, and it's actually a cheat, but y'all, I've been so engrossed in playing Lego Skywalker Saga that I really have not watched much television or movies in general. Um, so Matt and I have restarted Bridgerton season two. I actually watched season two without him because I didn't realize that he wanted to watch it. And then he got really disappointed. Um, so we started back on Bridgerton season two. Um, and y'all, it's, 
like there's trash reality television but then there's trashy romance television and oh this one's season two is not trashy but it is it is really good sensual romance television and i love it um so yes that concludes us for the day y'all thanks for joining me and james thanks for joining me and mark i mean i'm so used to saying me (laughs) um james where can they find you Y'all can find me on Twitter at James P. Poole. Uh, you can also see my work at fullcirclecinema.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my name there is just James Preston Poole uh, for awful takes all around. And for um, memes you wish you didn't see, you can <laughs> follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Mark, where can they find you? So you guys can find me on Letterboxd, Twitter, and Instagram. On Twitter, my handle is natcram92796. And on Letterboxd and Instagram, it's natcram927. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at sliceofkady. Um, I am trying to involve myself more in Instagram because I'm very bad at posting things. I just like to scroll um we'll see what happens i don't know um this show you can find on twitter it's at slice of film one i still have not given mark the twitter credentials so anything you see tweeted there is absolutely my fault 110 percent of the time for now um my other show on the Geek Ultimate Alliance podcast network is Star Wars Alliance, and that is on Twitter. It's at Star Wars Alliance without the A in the war. is very important. Don't forget it, y'all. Uh, and with that, I want to wish everyone a great day or a night, whatever time of day you are listening, and we will see y'all next time. Bye, y'all.